0: From Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 21, let us open our hearts and our minds to receive the wisdom, the love, and the energy from these words. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you, as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the mother and father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what is the hope to which you are called. What are the riches of God's glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of God's power for us who believe according to the working of God's great power? The Lord put this work. The Lord put this power to work in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him by the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come."
1: It's amazing how often biblical themes get picked up in popular culture. I do a lot of quizzes in church, and they're almost always biblical. Today is a Harry Potter quiz. Who is it that when there's a problem goes to the library? Hermione. Hermione, all right. Who is the most powerful wizard in? Dumbledore. Dumbledore. So it's not Tammy, it's <coughs> Dumbledore. So if, if Hermione's the smartest in, in her grade, and Dumbledore's the most powerful wizard in the world, good wizard the most powerful wizard in the world is the evil one is lord voldemort right so why is it that harry potter is the one who is to destroy voldemort purity of heart purity of heart his great capacity to love right over and over yeah you're looking strange. you don't have you read them yeah i see you got to read them it, they're actually they're very good books. I really love, um, the, a lot of churches really don't want you to read the Harry Potter series because of the, the, the wizardry and the magic. And I love the fact that in the last book, in Dumbledore's tombstone, you know, you've got quotes from scripture on, on the parents and whatnot. I just find it delightful. <clears throat> Dumbledore keeps telling Harry, you're the one who will defeat Voldemort because of your great capacity for love. And Harry keeps saying, what? I don't see it. He's filled with anger and rage at Voldemort for killing his parents. And yet, Dumbledore keeps telling Harry that despite all the pain in his life, despite losing his parents and then his godfather... And, and Hedwig is his, his owl and, and all these people in his life that he, he comes to love and he just systematically loses them and loses them and loses them and loses them. He doesn't lose his faith in people and he doesn't lose his faith in the goodness that's out there, even when he's tempted not to. Paul says, I give thanks for your faith, and for your love for all the saints. How do you do this? How many of you love everybody? (laughs) Well, good for you. They probably make 12-step programs for this. (laughs) Seriously, I mean, how do you love everybody? It's really hard. And the idea is actually that the only way you can love everybody is if it's a gift from God. Because there are some people, does anybody find there's a person in your life that you just really don't like all that well? I know it's an anomaly. I'm probably the only one. (laughs) But there's some people that just, no matter. I mean, they know how to push your buttons. And you see it happening, and you think, don't rise to the occasion, don't get baited. And I I just see myself, the energy's going, And I can see the words forming in the back of my head, and my better angels are saying, don't say a word. (laughs) Just stay calm. And of course, I always listen to my better angels. You should listen to me because I know what I speak. No, I almost never listen to my better angels. And I find myself, I'm watching these words leave my mouth thinking, why did I say them? I had a secretary who had, who had on her desk. She said, Lord, may my words be gracious today, for I may have to eat them tomorrow. <clears throat> and I find myself not enjoying the second time I have to eat my words. It's less pleasant coming back around. Harry is a person with a great capacity to love, and that what is what makes him great in the Harry Potter series. It's not his magical ability It's not that he's unique in other ways. He has this amazing ability. And that's what it is. An amazing capacity to love. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I want to know you. And... When I was in CPE, I had just I had just left my PhD program, and I was feeling like I failed at this. You know, I knew I needed to go back into the ministry, and I and I did I did chaplaincy for a year, and I felt that I had just failed at this program. And so when I went into my clinical pastoral education, I had a serious chip on my shoulder. And my instructor, who was they had youth people that kind of helped oversee as well. He says, now you realize when you talk to people, what you're saying is back off or I'll beat you to death with my brain. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's probably true. I probably do do that. You know, when somebody challenges me on something, it's like, you know, you rise to the occasion. It's like, how can I beat you to death with my brain showing that I know more than you? And this is not the best part of who I am. I hope you have not seen that. You probably have, but I hope you haven't. And I hope it's been very small little pieces. But at that point, it was because of insecurity and the fact that I felt whatever, that I was acting this way. And and Jesus didn't surround himself with the, the, the brightest bulbs in the firmament, did he? I mean, he surrounded himself with fishermen. And a lot of them were probably illiterate. And from someone who, you know, did a lot of education, I think, you know, it's not the eyes of your mind that need to be enlightened. It's the eyes of your heart. We see through our, if we got to connect, you need to connect this and this. With the eyes of your mind, excuse me, of your heart enlightened, you will see the hope to which you have been called. We are called to be a people of hope, but we are called to be able to see the hope. There was a book written by a president called, what was that, Thing of Hope? From, right, right. And then, you know, uh, Clinton was from Hope, Arkansas, right? So we have theories. Well, yeah, but he was born in Hope, whatever. And I was just in the City of Hope because 210 was closed. So I just actually drove through the City of Hope for the first time on Saturday. was not at all happy to drive through because I wanted to be under 210. But hope, we do hope, and and as a country, we say, okay, this person is going to promise us hope, and we we throw all of our eggs in this basket, and then we're disappointed, aren't we? I mean, even the most staunch Obama supporters have been disappointed over the last three years for something, haven't we? Yeah. And we're all surprised by this. How stupid are we? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, probably, you know. Scripture says, where do you place your hope? Is it higher up the food chain? Yeah. It needs to be higher up the food chain. What is the hope to which we are called? This is not a rhetorical question. I've got all day. I work Sunday. I get paid for the whole day. I can be here till whenever. What are we hopeful for? Seriously. Seriously what are we hoping for as a people of God a loving world peace give other people hope to be a servant, be a servant. yeah every day so you know who to serve and how to serve in suffering. suffering what are we hopeful for salvation whatever that means it means many things to many people okay what else food for all, food for all. These are the things we're hopeful for. And sometimes these are the things that the first things that come out. But are we hopeful in a way that we see them being fulfilled in some capacity? I mean, Jesus is the model here. What was Jesus' first temptation in the wilderness? Now I'm getting back into my test for scripture. Sorry about that. I can't help it. Occupational hazard. He's hungry, 40 days in the wilderness, he's hungry. First temptation is turned turn the stones into what? Bread. Feed people. Wouldn't that have been great? Wouldn't it have been nice if he'd have just turned all the stones into bread? Makes Making bricks hard. But everyone would be fed. But Jesus knew better. That wasn't the hope to which he was called. He did feed people. If you read the Gospel of Mark... He's always feeding people. He should have been a caterer, all right? He missed his calling. He's always feeding people, particularly in the Gospel of Mark, always feeding people. But that's not his mission, ultimately. What is the hope to which we are called and what is our glorious inheritance among the saints? And often it's the people who don't have enough food in their belly that understand the answer to that question. And that baffles us, doesn't it? How can somebody who's hungry, well, I know. I mean, I mean, truly hungry. Hierarchy of needs. Oh, Maslow. OK, forget Maslow. But people who don't have a, a zillion bucks in their pocket. See, this is dramatic pause. <laughs> supposed to be thinking during the, during the static. How is it that people that don't have everything sometimes they are the happiest? How is this possible? We're gonna. We'll go to, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear? Okay, less static on the line. What is the hope to which we're called? It's love. It's peace. But for each one of you, it's probably something just a little bit different. And Jesus is lifted up because in Jesus' life, even though he gets spit upon, even though he gets beaten, even though he's hungry at times, even though he is never left alone, he is able to see that. And we look to him and we think, wow, do you have people in your life who are this way, Who 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 know the hope to which they're called, my grandmother was always my spiritual touchstone. She was my spiritual touchstone. I would come home from school and I would tell her the latest theological thing that I was, that I learned and if she said, hmm, I knew it was worthless. If my grandmother didn't understand it, it was not worth pursuing. My grandmother was not the smartest person ever to walk the face of the earth, but the eyes of her heart were enlightened. And she knew how to love. She grew up in Nebraska in a place that was very, um, let's just say it was not very worldly in its outlook, and yet she welcomed everybody. It didn't matter to her. It's like, you would think she was raised in New York. Like, how is it that you have this view of people when you grew up in Nebraska? But she did. And if you're from Nebraska, I apologize. But she was able to see outside of the bounds that she grew up with because the eyes of her heart were enlightened. What is the glorious inheritance of the saints? Some people will tell you it is about being faithful so that you can make a lot of money. I got to tell you, there are a few people who can, can reach you with music as much as James Gray and Doug Miller, and Pam Wicks, and i got to tell you, they're all going to die without a million dollars in the bank account. Sorry, sorry, hate to spoil the ending of the movie. Does that mean that God doesn't, isn't thrilled by what they're doing? Does that mean that the eyes of their hearts are not enlightened? No. It means that they have seen where their feet are supposed to be going and they're walking it faithfully. And I thank you for that. Don't get sucked into little gods. Do not get sucked into worshiping little goals and small hopes. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which you are called, to which you are called, and the glorious inheritance of the saints. Jesus understood that, probably got him killed, but he lived in a way that has inspired us for 2,000 years, and it will inspire us for another 2,000, and that's good news. Amen.